you have to grow. What's going on, y'all? What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of Modern Growth. I'm here with my co-host, my brother, my guy, man, G. Martin. Talk to me, man. What's going on with you, sir? Man, what's good, man? I can't call it, bro. Another day in the life of, baby. Yes, sir, man. man. Yes, sir. We just had, uh, you know, we just seen a classic, you know, before we uh, talk about the totality of our episode today. We just seen a classic. I think that was, what, Saturday night, right? Gonzaga, UCLA, you talking about? I am talking about Gonzaga. (laughs) No, hey, we're going to address both because that was a classic ass whooping. That Baylor and uh, (laughs) Houston, boy. Man, this man, uh, Davion Mitchell, put um, gave gave my man a side pro hop in the half. You know what I'm saying? To go up 25, yeah. 45 to 20 at the half. I'm like, yo, these better boys look tough. But, you know, for, um, for y'all guys who can't tell how we're going to this episode is about, we're going to talk about the NCAA tournament, you know, what we've seen thus far, um, and talk about the preview tonight's matchup between Gonzaga and Baylor for the championship title. Um, obviously, it's been a crazy tournament, but despite how crazy it's been and all the upsets we've seen, we still got the one-two matchup that we've been waiting for all year. So, G, talk to me about, you know, what you've seen thus far, um, how you feel about the NCAA tournament, just some quick takeaways from, you know, what you uh, see from the tournament. Man, well, first and foremost, man, like you mentioned, we got the one-two matchup that we've been waiting on all year. Um, Baylor, Gonzaga, Gonzaga, Baylor, however you want to put it. Um, It's pretty cool, though, man, because, like, A, I would have loved to seen this matchup during the season like it was scheduled. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember the exact date, but it was earlier, like midseason, that uh, Baylor and Gonzaga were supposed to match up. But due to COVID, they weren't able to play, um, which at this point might have been for the best, man. So now, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, all they can do is go off the tape. Um, both teams are coming off of, uh, obviously, an undefeated tournament run, or they wouldn't be at this point. Um, so, so it's good, man. And I truly believe that, you know, at that juncture in the season when they were supposed to play each other, they were considered the two best teams in the country. Um, exactly. So so now, you know, getting to the end of the season and seeing that these two are matched up together, it's like what people believed was actually fact. You know, those were the mm-hmm. two best teams in the country um, entering the tournament. They were seen as the two best teams in the tournament. Maybe not the two hottest teams. Well, obviously, Gonzaga mm-hmm. hasn't lost this season. Um, so they, I mean, considerably are the hottest team. But um you know illinois might have been one of the hotter teams going into the tournament um and then you know you can sprinkle in a few others there but in a general sense i mean these are the two best teams um in the country top to bottom and you know complete body of work no for sure man i think that you explained it beautifully i think that we have a matchup that maybe it was in the cards for us to not see that initial matchup because now you only have one chance, one opportunity for these boys to line up. You know what I'm saying? It's no, it's no rematch. There's no get back. You got one chance, and then you guys, you know what I'm saying, that's, that's it, the championship game. Um, but obviously, like you mentioned before, like we did see some teams, you know, Gonzaga, Gonzaga and uh, Baylor was 1-2, you know, at some point 1-A, 1-B. But we did see some flashes of Illinois was up there. You know, Ohio State was hot. You know what I mean? Um, even Michigan, you know, before they lost Isaiah Livers. And, of course, coming from a Michigan fan, I'm going to put it out there. But uh, you got to put it out there, man. Lee Day, you know, we made it. We're going to be back. But, listen, you know, in totality, like, I think that, you know, we did see some hot teams, some teams that, you know, um, show some 
some stamina in the tournament, including UCLA. I think that, you know, we nobody expected an 11 seed to come from the first four to make it all the way to the final four and then put on that impressive performance that they did against Gonzaga. I mean, they shot well over 50% from the field. All their good players played great. Johnny Juzang transferred from, from Kentucky, showed exactly – he put everybody on notice who he was. And I feel like, you know, and uh, Dick Vitale mentioned this as well, the Pac-12 really showed up during this tournament. You know what I'm saying? From USC to, to Oregon to UCLA, like Oregon State made a run. You know what I'm saying? So, like, the Pac-12 showed a lot of stamina during this tournament. And the thing about it is that good point was brought up is that not a lot of people get a chance to watch those games because the majority of, you know, the, um, the focus is going to be either Central Time or Eastern Standard Time. You know what I mean? So, like, not a lot of people get a chance to see those West Coast games. So, you know, this tournament really put the whole instant tournament on notice. Like, the Pac-12 has talent, and the Pac-12 is a conference to be reckoned with as the Big Ten did get that initial hype. But, unfortunately, even me coming from a Michigan fan, it was sustainable as we've seen. Yeah, no, I agree, man. And, and, you know, by me being out here on the West Coast, I tend to get more West Coast games, obviously, um, because what's late to you guys is still, you know, normal watching hours for me. And then um, normal watching hours for y'all are, are typically earlier games for me. So, luckily, I get to watch a lot of the games and see a lot of the teams throughout the season. Um, fortunately enough, I was able to catch a few Gonzaga games during the year. Um, I was actually able to catch that BYU-Gonzaga game that a lot of people um, refer to in the beginning of the tournament as being something to look out for um, as, you know, a team like Gonzaga being undefeated going into the tournament. The question was, had they been battle tested? The only battle test they had was that BYU game. And like I said, I was able to watch it. And I just didn't think BYU was that good. Well, I'm going to say that good. I mean, because, I mean, it would be a D1 program if they weren't, you know, good players. But um, as far as, like, you know, being that talented deep depth-wise as a team, I didn't mm -hmm. think they were that deep. Um, so, you know, being able to stand the test of time against a team like Gonzaga was tough for them. And, you know, they had jumped out to a double-digit lead earlier. And this was regular season talk. Um, they were able to jump out to a, a, a big double-digit lead. And then they um, ended up losing that game by, I want to say, 11 or 12 points. Um, Gonzaga was able to come back, win the game. But one thing that I did see um, was that, you know, somebody be able to jump on Gonzaga early um, and be good enough to, you know, hang on to, to that lead and have enough depth to be able to compete off the bench. That's something that we hadn't been able to see. I mean, even throughout the tournament until they ran into UCLA and UCLA, I mean, literally took them to the last second, the last shot. Um, Gonzaga was able to, you know, hit that buzzer beater at the end of the game, which was typical tournament, man. That was, that was the NCAA tourney. And um, it was, it was cool to see that. Um, but I mean, just like, man, I just can't keep thinking, can't think, can't say enough about, you know, the matchup that we're about to get from Gonzaga and Baylor tonight, man. I'm really, really excited about it. All right, so let's talk about it, man. Let's talk about the matchup between Gonzaga and Baylor tonight. So what I want to initially start off with is, like, I think that we talk about Gonzaga's schedule and how they don't play nobody, but I think that there's a statistic out there that talks about how they've had the most, like, Sweet 16 appearances, you know what I'm saying? I think they're the most 30-win seasons. I think they have like eight 30-win seasons in their program. And then I've also been paying attention um, 
as of late to like their roster. And like you got Jalen Suggs, number one recruit. You know what I'm saying? You got Cody Kippert. You know what I'm saying? He's like number 24 or something like that. He's like a a lottery pick or a first rounder. They also got this dude named Joel I. And he's he's a baller too. He played against when he was going against, he was going crazy against UCLA. He's another guard. They got this dude um, that was a transfer from Florida. So like, did they recruit really well? You know what I mean? To be like a like a under the radar top flight, you know, school that doesn't get the recognition because what the Gonzaga they're blue blood, but they're not truly looked at as a blue blood, right? So they're mm-hmm. not really looked at as a Kentucky, a Duke, or North Carolina, but they've always that quiet, consistent, right? So it's more like, okay, Gonzaga, like when, you, when they do good, okay, they're supposed to do good. You know what I'm saying? But when, you know, they fall on the radar where they get upset, that's when they get called out. You know what I'm saying? Like that's why they don't play anybody. You know what I'm saying? These things that come up when you bring up Gonzaga. But as far as tonight, I just want to bring up like their recruiting class and like how well like their roster is, even their interior. I feel like they are the more balanced team. I just think that, Baylor has a little bit more grit as far as uh, more grit and their guard play. I think uh, Butler, um, I want to say Butler, Mitchell, and then um, the other guard as well. Is it Vital? Yeah. Uh, 31? I thought it was somebody else. Okay, Uh, Vital. 31. Wait, are you talking about Teague? Teague, yeah. talking about Teague, got you. Yeah. But so Tom's a about, bigger guard. He's um my mop head. He got he knocked threes down. Um that's uh that's Flagler. That's Flagler, Flagler, Flagler. Flagler, Flagler. Yeah. Yes, that's Matt, Matthew Flagler. So uh, and they got a guard all off the bench too, and that goes crazy as well. So I mean, I think they're the more I think that they got I'm picking better tonight, man. Honestly, my bracket said Gonzaga, 79-68, but I'm going with the Bears tonight, man. So who you got? Talk to me about the matchup tonight, G. Yeah, man. So I got uh I got Baylor as well. Um, not gonna lie. So I I'll start by, you know, giving you the rundown of my initial bracket. So I was drinking the Illinois Kool-Aid mm-hmm. on uh, one of my brackets. Um and so I had I filled out two. Uh I'm trying to drink this water. Um so initially on my bracket I had uh had Illinois winning it all, and then I filled out another bracket that had Baylor winning it all. Um, but obviously, they came out of the same, the same general side. Um, so both of them was matching up against Gonzaga for me. Um, and like I said, initially I had Illinois winning one, but then you know my 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 second heart was rolling with the Baylor's, was rolling with the Bears, who I initially had. In the beginning of the season, I was like, Baylor's going to win it all. But then, like I said, I started drinking that Illinois Kool-Aid. And I was like, man, they hot right now. Can't nobody stop this one-two punch they got going on. And then they got stopped. And then so I quit looking at that bracket. And I just been rocking with my second one. <laughs> but I think um, I, I, I like Baylor, man. I think that what they come with, uh, with as far as energy, toughness, grit, um, and and really what solidified it for me was what they were able to do against the Houston team, who I feel like is a mini-me version of what they – of what Baylor is. Um, I think Houston mm-hmm. is the same type of team. Um, you know, they just play – they play hard-nosed defense. Um, they knock the three-pointer down real well. Um, they get to the bucket. The big man plays hard. He goes after every board. 
Um, and they, they just, they just, they grind, man. And they don't, they never say die. And they, you know what I'm saying? And I felt like Houston was going to be a battle for Baylor, but then big brother just saw little brother why they were big brother, man. And yeah, there was clear separation in that game, bro. No, for sure, bro. For sure. And I feel like, and I feel like rolling into this national championship game, there has to be a level of confidence for, for Baylor twofold. You know what I mean? They were able to, you know, withstand withstand the pressure from all the other games they played all year, which is the same thing with Gonzaga as far as the tournament is concerned. But, I mean, I feel like Houston was the grittiest, most hard-nosed defensive playing team um, in the tournament. And then Big Bro just said, hey, now, chill out. You know what I'm saying? We'll see y'all again next year. And so and that's, now that's really what it was, bro. It was Big Bro was like, "Yo, we're here. It's it's not your time. It's not your time." And so, like, I think that, I think that, you know, I think that that's that's something that's that's gonna give gonna give Baylor an edge from my perspective. But at the same time, like, and you know, for them to see, you know, Gonzaga and UCLA go the way it did. UCLA being an 11 seed, all that stuff. Granted, it didn't matter. They wouldn't have been able to find. They wouldn't have been able to Final Four if they weren't a good ball team. But um, I just truly think that, like, being an underdog, they got nothing to lose. Gonzaga's got everything to lose. The perfect season on the line, all of that stuff. Baylor just, Baylor just there because that's where they supposed to be. I like that announcement, man. I'm looking at this uh, breakdown. Look at the bracket. Um, initially, so I'm talking about um, what I had. Obviously, in one of my, I had two brackets. In one of my brackets, I had Michigan winning, and um, I still stand by. We would have had Isaiah Livers, you know what I'm saying? We'd we'd be here, but it's not about that. It's uh, you know, it's about the tournament. Oh what actually gosh, happened? Bro. So, <laughs> so what actually happened? So Baylor really didn't have a problem with anybody. I'm looking at, you know, what I'm saying they had an easy time in the first round. They, I, they, I remember watching that Baylor Wisconsin game. They dismantled Wisconsin pretty early. You know what I mean? And um, same thing with Baylor. I mean, same thing with, uh, with, with with Nova and then Arkansas and then what they did to Houston. So I think that, you know, they have gotten better throughout the tournament. And we want to also point out is that Baylor had that COVID shutdown. You know, they were hot. They were hot number two. You know what I'm saying? And then, like, they had that shutdown. Things got quiet. You know what I'm saying? And then that's when Michigan started to be like, okay, that's maybe the second best team, maybe challenging Gonzaga. Then it became the Illinois train after Illinois thrashed Michigan. You know what I'm saying? But, like, that Baylor really got overlooked with that COVID shutdown, and they've really gotten back into that rhythm. So I think that we'll continue to see um, that progress going into the matchup tonight. Um, but I do think that one thing I worry about is that Baylor hasn't been battle-tested in the tournament, and I feel like Gonzaga has with that UCLA game. And I feel like they're going to so – I would disagree with that, man. Baylor, if you look at – if you look at the games, um, if you look at the games and the the first halves of those games, um, Baylor and a lot of those, especially the last three games, I'll say, um, it was tight going into the end of the first half. Granted, Houston was what it was. We'll take that one out as a as an outlier. But the Arkansas game, um, Wisconsin, they were it was a it was a, a decent battle through the first half. Uh, Might have been like a six, seven, eight point game. At first in the first half, but Arkansas gave them a game. Um, probably the first 
two thirds of the game, and then Baylor just was too much for him, and then it and then it started to separate. But I think that um, I think that Baylor Baylor Baylor's had to play the full game more times than I think Gonzaga did. Uh, mm-hmm. But in Gonzaga's defense. Um, Maybe it was good that they got their last, you know, that their last game was a, was a battle test so that they like, okay, we got that out the way. Now let's go back to playing ball the way we were playing. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I think Gonzaga's, Gonzaga's a team that, that you know, they're, they're, they do everything well, you know what I mean? And they don't, and they don't mm-hmm. get outside of themselves. And that's one thing that right. I like about them. Whereas Baylor um, – Baylor, Baylor does – they do things well as well. You know, they play good defense. They can shoot the three well, um, get a lot of dribble penetration, especially from uh, Davion Mitchell. Um, he's able to, you know, penetrate, break the break the defense down a little bit, be able to get some kick-out threes, and, and he also feeds his big men well. But I, I, I think that – I think that we just about to see probably one of the best – national champ well this has the best potential to this has one of mm-hmm. the greater potentials to be one of the best national championships since the North Carolina Villanova game man and I think that um I'm I'm just like I said man I can't say it enough bro I'm excited to I'm excited to watch these boys get it no, in no actually you got me more excited to watch them now I'm thinking about that guard matchup the guard play like I said we're all about Jalen Suggs but like I said Joe I um from Gonzaga number 11 He's also um, like a fringe, like first round pick. Quiet is kept. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's three first round picks that I could have. So I think that here's the biggest thing. I think that Gonzaga can score all five positions on the court. I don't think that Baylor can do that consistently, right? We we, we knew what Drew Timmy can do. You know what I'm saying? We know what Cody Kipper. We know Jalen Suggs. We we know they they got wing players. They got they got post game. They got inside out game. They got complete offense. That's why. Everybody was saying when Gonzaga is running at that high octane, full efficiency, they're hard to stop. Say, but Baylor, on the other hand, they're a guard heavy team. They have dynamic guards, though. They have great size. Like, down, I think Davion Mitchell is probably like 6'2, 6'3, and then the other two are bigger than that. Jared Butler is 6'4, 6'5, and, and so was um, the, the third one as well. Sorry, I forget his name. Um, Grimes, I think. Teague. Uh, Teague, Teague, sorry. Teague. Yeah, he's like 6'4, 6'5, too. So they have great size. So I think that. They're going to be able to bother, like, Jalen Suggs and those three. But the problem is that they got to have a good – they got to have – if they're on, then, you know what I mean, it's going to be a great matchup. But they got to be on, though. You know what yeah, I mean? And, and right and, now – Well, I think I think you discount their ability to get to the get to the rim and create fouls, man. They, they do a good job, you know, forcing the issue, getting to the bucket. And I think that – I think that that's that's that served them well because obviously they've been able to knock down free throws free throws down at a high clip too, um, which has been able to help them ice games earlier than not. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that uh, I think that you know tonight what we're going to be able to see is like you said these guard matchups. Um, it's going to be what it's going to be as far as the bigs. Um, obviously, Baylor plays about six seven guards a game and, you know, two bigs or, you know, two biggers, uh, I'll say, not necessarily bigs, but, um, but they, they, they big man, they, they play hard, man. And they got motors that don't stop. And I think that that's, that's something that you can't discount when you got, when you got guys that's 
gonna give you everything they got and they're not necessarily looking to score. And mm-hmm. that's something to be that's a force to be reckoned with. And I feel like um tonight especially, um Baylor got a chance to do something special. And I and I'm also granted I I'm I'm putting my money where my mouth is on this one. I you know, I bet on them boys. So they uh <laughs> I'm, you know <laughs> I'm I'm especially rooting for them. You know, I'm I'm biased, but I think uh I think that they got a they got a chance to they got a chance to 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 win this thing tonight. And I mean if if Gonzaga pulls it out, I mean them boys just it, it is what it is. It was their day, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But uh I think that uh I, I I like I like I like Baylor tonight, man. I like Baylor. If tonight. the Baylor Bears if the guards of Baylor shows up, the guard their better the Baylor's gonna win. I think Davion Mitchell has had I think the last three tournament games, I think he uh, two tournament games, like twenty something assists and one turnover. Wow, wow, averaging like wild leading team is scoring. Like and he shot the NBA draft boards and you know, I mean, obviously he's getting more attention because his last name is Mitchell. He wears 45. So he plays like Donovan Mitchell almost. No, no, so all like, his mannerisms are damn near the same. Like, it's crazy, bro. Yeah, bro. Like, they're the same guy. Like, it's crazy. Like, they – like, I'm talking about the same move. The, the pro hop, the, the like, the jump, how he moved to the top of the key. It's all the same. Like, the way he comes off the picks, all of that, bro. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's cold, it's though. I ain't gonna lie, bro. It's really cool to see, you know what I'm saying, see somebody emulate their game after somebody else and then actually be, you know, five. Yeah, he actually five, man. So, like, and that and that's, like, Jared Butler also. I think that with if, if they're on, I think that the size is going to be more than what they're used to. Obviously, they didn't see the same size from UCLA. You Look what UCLA did. I mean, UCLA's guard is probably, like, 5'11". Not Judy, Johnny Juzang, but, the, like, the point guard. You know what I'm saying? Now you got three guards at the top of the key that you don't know who you're going to deal with. You know what I'm saying? And Davion Mitchell, not only is he been balling, but he was a defense – he was the big, the big 12 defensive player of the year. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I mean, they going they got L's, man. So, I think – and this is another reason why we have a lot to look forward to as far as matchup because high-tain, efficient offense versus this – Baylor, you know what I'm saying, in your face, guard heavy de- defense. I mean, you don't see too many teams with size at the size and athletic ability at the guards like this. Not let alone three of them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm I mean, I last time that. I think about like what the Illinois. No, I said last time I think something like this is like like remember Illinois back in the day when they had like D Brown, Darren Williams, and like Luther Head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's still a very like that's uh, only so you know obviously you and I both were big Carolina fans back then. I still like watching Carolina, um, but that game there that was probably that was one of the best uh, you know NCAA championship games that we've seen in a while too. Um, like I mentioned that one that Villanova Carolina game, and I really believe that this game is going to be a decided by two three points man i don't think it's gonna be much much further off than that man i think it's gonna it's gonna come down to the wire um who's gonna be able to make big shots uh down the stretch and um who's gonna be able to control the tempo um both of them like to get up and down the floor shoot threes in transition they move the ball really well and 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 uh in half court sets as well so I mean they're both I mean they're both two complete teams, man. Um as far as you know doing what they do and doing it well. Um 
mm -hmm. just interested to see how how it plays out, man, because nobody thought that UCLA was going to be, you know, really, you know, have a chance to win the game and it was going to come down to the last two, three seconds of the game for the game to be decided on a on a, a damn near half-court heave. And, yeah, man. And, and and for you know for us to be sitting up here talking about talking about this, it's like all right now, all right now this because I mean if you think if you break down the tournament all in all, it's been one of the most exciting tournaments top down. Like seeing mm -hmm. small teams knock off big teams, seeing upset after upset. Um, I mean, for example, bro, like I mean we got like we knew it was gonna happen in some capacity at least. I had a feeling it was going to happen, that COVID was going to affect the tournament in a way. Obviously, it affected the tournament and them, you know, basically bubbling up the city of Indianapolis, which was which was cool that they was able to figure out a way to to make it work. But then, you right. know, early on, we saw the VCU-Oregon matchup. Um, they not be able to play the game. VCU gets deemed disqualified almost from the no contest, um, <laughs> which – and then – in turn, you know, moves Oregon on. Oregon goes on to win another, win, win their next game, um, and then get run out of the gym right after that. Um, and so, you know what I mean? It's just been, you, it's just unpredictable, man. You don't know, you don't know what's coming next. You don't know what's gonna happen. So, I don't know. It's been cool, man. It's been cool. It's been, it's been cool to watch how the NCAA, like I said, handled the COVID situation, been able to keep the tournament going. Um, actually get these games played. Viewership has been up. Um, one of the things I want to talk about now um, is kind of, did you see, uh, did you see the protests that uh, a bunch of the NCAA players were, uh, were uh, having uh, after I want to say the sweet 16? Um, I think that I was familiar with it because uh, Isaiah Livers, of course, plays for Michigan. He was one of the three players, I believe him, Garza and then another player, I think Geo Baker. Um, those three people like went to the uh, not sure what level whether it's the Big Ten or the instability, um, but they were talking about you know getting money for their likenesses and things of that nature. But I didn't really follow up and understand or um, follow like the um, the recap. From, I mean, I don't think it was successful from um, what I've seen. Um, you know, post that meeting, um, hear about it. Yeah, I mean, essentially the the protest or uh, movement that those three players you mentioned uh, it was started. It was called a uh, not NCAA property, um, and basically, um, you know, Isaiah Livers uh, from Michigan, Ruggers, uh, Geo Baker, and then uh, Jordan Bohannon from Iowa, they were all pushing pushing the NCAA to pretty much change the rules saying that athletes couldn't earn money uh, from personal sponsorship deals and online endorsements and stuff like that. Um, especially, you know, during the tournament when every single thing, and I mean, you know how big business is, um, NCAA business is to begin with, but, you know, the tournament is the most revenue generating um, event that the NCAA has. Um, in, in front of, you know, the next up would probably be college football playoff and bowl season. But mm -hmm. the tournament itself, um, is, is from viewership, um, what what the NCAA is able to generate from the uh, uh, TBS, TNT, um, 
CBS, that market, what they're able to do from that. And I think True TV is also included in there. The money and revenue that they're able to generate from there is, I mean, it's in the billions. I want to say it's upwards of $3 billion on an, uh, on like an, an average annual revenue. Um, mm-hmm. So, A, seeing them lose out on that last year and then, you know, this year. Yep. Um, them finding a way to get the tournament done, keep the same sponsorships. Obviously, they lost a lot of money in, um, in fans not being able to be there. Um, but TV ratings were, you know, through the roof. Um, Michigan-Florida State being one of the biggest viewed games in the uh, tournament. Um, mm-hmm. But TV ratings itself were through the roof. Um, and, and these are all on major networks. Like I mentioned, CBS, T- TBS, TNT, and True TV. Um, all of these, all of these networks getting these major televised games, and also like we mentioned, some of the best college basketball games that we've seen all year. Um, for them to be able to host these type of games, um, generate these type of revenues with these type of ratings, um, and then for mm-hmm. March Madness, the NCAA releasing the March Madness Live app, um, it comes out again. Well, they update it again every year in March. Um, you're every able year. to watch all of these games live. Um, you got Capital One, Capital One, AT&T, um, trying to think of another one of the big sponsors um, that, you know, you got to watch these commercials in order to stream the games for free on your mm-hmm. on your cellular device or iPad, whatever it is that you're using. Um, you can stream all of these games um, and you're forced to watch the commercials. I mean, that's typically how all streaming is streaming it works now, but mm-hmm is generating so much sponsorship revenue that these players in my eyes had every single right to want some of this money. And like, we're, we're getting into a, we're getting into an age where the Supreme court has already said that, you know, come, I want to say 2022, maybe, I don't know if it's this year or next year, but players are going to be able to receive a certain amount of money. Granted, it's going to be capped, but for their likeness. So if they already believe that players should be paid for their likeness, it's not unfair for these players to believe that they deserve some of these, you know, a a cut of these billions of dollars that's being generated by these, you know, these, these big name companies, Mm -hmm. AKA Capital One, AT&T. Um, they have every right to feel like they, they need some of this money. But at the same time, um, like it is with anything, if you're going gon to come asking for something or, 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 or pressing somebody issue on a, on, a, on a situation like this, you got to come correct and you got to come with your eyes dotted and your T's crossed. And so I just don't think that they were organized enough to be able to be successful with it. But I do think that they had a good, uh, a good argument. I mean, they definitely have an argument. I think that this is another one of the situations where, like, the NCAA is, is uh, there. Um, whether it be from the football side, you know, that likeness, whether it be, like, the college things where so many issues are caving in on the NCAA. And this is going to be another angle, you know, that shows, like, the hypocrisy, you know, um, and the contradiction of the NCAA. So I think that even though it wasn't like that one move that they deemed to be successful, you know, when you're talking about a big conglomerate like the NCAA and collegiate sports and money, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, that's going to take time and, 
it's going to take a multitude of efforts from different angles, from different sides in order to expose the NCAA. So I feel like, you know, even though they didn't get the desired result that they hoped for, I think that, you know, it does go to speak that they'll be able to look at this as a point in time in history where they can say, hey, we were a part of the one day when the NCAA does get turned over. You know what I'm saying? Or does split up because like we talked about with NCAA football, there's only a matter of time before like, you know, conferences start running on their own or these schools are big enough to start running on their own schedule and do things how they would want to do them without the NCAA influence. So I think it's just another angle. I agree. I agree. I just feel like um, to to whom much is given – uh, much is required. So, you know what I mean? If you're going to, if you're going to take that leap and, 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 and try to break away from the NCAA and you're going to do it on your own and things like that, you got to be organized. You got to have all your ducks in a row just because, I mean, the NCAA has been doing it for so long that like, granted, it may not be as just as we'd like, but they get it done pretty well. Mm-hmm. You're right. And I think that, you know, for these conferences and, and things like that to be thinking to kind of move things and do it on their own, it's the right thought process. But at the end of the day, somebody's gonna have to somebody's gonna have to organize it all. And then you kinda regardless are gonna end back up in the same situation with an NCAA like organization running the show. You know what I mean? Right, Even right. If you yeah. independently contract somebody, it's still going to end up essentially being the NCAA type organization running the show. Right. I think that, I mean, do you feel like there is another way around it? If it's collegiate sports, is there another way around running collegiate sports like what type of NCAA structure? Um, the only way, I mean, I don't think that – I think the only problem with the NCAA is that they keep all the money and they decide how much um, the NCAA is supposed to get. I think from a financial, from a financial perspective, the only way to actually, um, I guess, be, become in control of the NCAA instead of the NCAA being in control of them is for all the colleges to split up funds in a you know in a percentage based on what they generate and then from there they pay on a contractual basis that percentage back or a specific percentage back to the NCAA for a contracting fee I don't think that um, I don't think there's any way that you can actually cut the NCAA out or an organization that does the same thing I don't think there's a way you can actually cut them out I think at some point you got to have a place that you call, you know, home base that organizes everything for you. That's the way you kind of keep it neutral amongst all the teams and stuff like that. But in the grand, in the, in like a grand scheme of things, I think that they should be paying the NCAA a percentage instead of the NCAA paying them a percentage. I agree. And I think that to that point, I do, I do predict this. I do think that at some point, and I'm not sure when this will occur, but, you know, these schools, like, will absolve themselves from the NCAA for a year or two before the NCAA has to come back with a revamped plan, you know what I'm saying, that it's more appeasing to, like, the student-athletes and compensating them fairly and so forth. Like, great, you know, the other issues regarding playoff, whether it be 
the tournament, how they want to do things. I think there may be a collective like decision to take a step back because I think some of these schools have the power and the resources to do so. In order for the NCAA to get back involved, they're going to have to come with a, a plan that's more cohesive to everybody involved and not just suiting their pockets. And I feel like, you know, yeah. in these events will lead to, you know, that brief separation in which where the NCAA will be responsible for coming back and saying, hey, like, you know, in order to get the money that we desire, perhaps that we desire, like, we're going to have to bite the bullet in some areas. Like, obviously, the wall is caving in on us. And, you know, yeah. they're going to have to cave. They're going to have to, um, they're going to have to give up. Yeah, I Just think for, that, for the good. like, my, if I were to propose a plan, my plan would be that, you know, each of the teams, you know, based on the revenue that they specifically generate um, from whether it be TV ratings to um, from whether it be TV ratings to actual ticket sales to um, concession sales, jersey sales, all of that stuff from all of the revenue generated on, from each team, I think they should be able to then pay a small percentage of that to the NCAA instead of the NCAA, you know, taking their, taking all the money and then paying it back out. Now what that does is it ends up, you know, it, it hinders the smaller schools and the smaller teams. But I think obviously there's, there's, there's definitely flaws in my plan, but I think that what it does is it, it allows, it, it gets rid of that whole, um, you know, you can't play players, man. If if, if that's what it, if that's what they got to do to get players there, you better find some good donors, and you know what I mean. And that's that's how that's how it's got to be. And I think that that'll that will spread the parity um, amongst college sports, um, basketball for sure, football for sure. And I think that if 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 it's done that way, then that's just the way it gets done. And I think that you know what I mean. Uh, every school can't play – they can't pay every player. So then, you know, it'll start to spread out the wealth a little bit easier. And I think that from there, you know, you'll start seeing a little bit more parity and the NCAA will fall in line with what exactly college teams want done. But I don't think this current model is going to work too much longer. I agree. I just think it will happen the opposite way. Um I think that, you know, when we look at the G League and we look at what the NBA has done, and that's a way of, like, exposing the NCAA and paying, right, and players for their talent. Obviously, we're only talking about so many different prospects even have the opportunity to go from straight from high school to that G League program. But I do think it will be from a top-bottom top approach where, like, they'll continue to take off the top, which meaning that NCAA, in order to stay, actually stay involved, you know, um, they're going to have to start, like, paying or um, spreading the wealth out to um, the bigger schools and the bigger conferences in some matter. I'm not sure what shape or form or in what process that will look like, but I do know that, you know, the power will be an emphasis, right? However they decide to compensate or decide to address that financial issue, guarantee the power file will be. And then from there you deal with that and then you know what i'm saying you kind of like let it keep spreading down and i feel like that would be the approach only because of what we have seen already how the M M nba has exposed the NCAA in their way so 
they're going to off the top. And that's what I think will happen. But uh, um, definitely a good roundup. So what we think about the NCAA, um, obviously, you know, there are a lot of things about the system that quite time um, that he and these kids are being in positions. And not only are they student athletes, they grew up at, you know, an extremely high responsibility they're, they're um, responsible for, but then also have the wherewithal and the free time to, like, fight for not only themselves, because nine times out of ten, they know these issues aren't going to directly, you know, co- compensate them, but also the people that come behind them. So, um, I mean, hey, we'll continue to see whether we talk about this in football or basketball. It's the same concept with NCAA every single time, man. No, that's fact, man. That's fact. And, you know, to kind of wrap things up, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely proud to, I'm definitely like proud of the way everything was handled as far as, um, you know, amongst the pandemic, being able to get the tournament going and, and keep as many teams in the game as we were as, well, not we, but as the NCAA was able to, um, being able to give us a good tournament um, a great tournament for that matter, man. Watching so many good games and 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 so many Cinderella possibilities, it was it was definitely cool to see, man. And, and we got the chance to see a lot of talent um, throughout this tournament. A lot of people played themselves, I think, into an opportunity at the next level, and that's what it's all about, man. It's all about um, players like Divincenzo for the Bucks. You know, him mm-hmm. going yeah. out having that tournament he did. Tourney guys. You know what I mean? And 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 I think we've been able to see, you know, a possibility of something like that with, with a few different people this year, especially, um, especially these two teams that's in the in the national championship tonight, man. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see how this game unfolds and you know, just kind of see where where things go from here, especially as a um as far as the NCAA and these players on these two respective teams are concerned. And well, listen, like, before we wrap it up, man, you know what we got to do, man. We got to call like it is. Five predictions. I know we made a lot of summaries. We made a lot of, like, predictions about what will happen. But I need from you, I need winner, score, and MVP. Uh, I'm going to take – I'm going to take Write Baylor. Down too. Write it down, I'm gonna take Baylor. I'm gonna take Baylor seventy eight, seventy six. Mm, really? Davion Mitchell as my MVP. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna play. I gotta play Devil's Advocate, man. I just, I think it's, I, I just, I hope that they got major MVP, but, uh, man, my gut, the gut is that I think that the Baylor guards are going to overwhelm Jalen Suggs, man. You know what I'm saying? I know he had a good game last game. He's going to be a top prospect. He's a hell of a talent, but the boys from Baylor been there, man. So I'm going to go with Baylor. I'm going to go, I'm going to go 72. Uh, uh, 72, 68? Yeah. 268. And my MVP is going to be uh Butler. I think that um he's a Butler. He goes, knocks down some big shots. Four guard. I think that he's uh the best penetrator. He's the best free throw shooter. Get to the line. So Jared Butler MVP, man. 
Obviously, David Mitchell plays well. I think he's going to be the big shot guy tonight. Big shot taker, big big shot maker. There you go. Let's see some basketball, baby. Yes, sir, man. Listen, we are about two hours away from golf, so thank you all for tapping in. You know what I'm saying? I've got a lot more to share with you all, but check out this March Madness episode before after to see what we were right, man. Look, we both got the Bill of Bears. Who do y'all got? But, uh, G, anything else before we slide out, bro? That's it, man. That's it, man. All in all, you know what I say, man. We got better today. Peace. All right, Modern Growth, we out. Peace. You have to grow.